Fabiola. Hey, Leo. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. Well, we uh, just got back from our whirlwind trip to South America. Yes. And that was exciting. And while we were there, we recorded an episode. We did a really stupendous stupendous episode. episode. Okay, I think that's a fantastic way to say it. Yes. Uh, so uh, we're going to bring that interview to you. We did that uh, a week ago from today, uh, and and the individual that we interviewed is Alec Zek. Alec is uh, the founder of the Way Forward, as well as his new project. Uh, the end of COVID, which we will talk about both of those and give links to those in the interview. But um, anything else you want to touch on? Because I, <laughs> there is something that I want to uh, to play, uh, kind of leading into that interview, and uh, it's about twelve minutes. It's actually part of uh, Alex' rollout of the end of COVID, and uh, it kind of sets the stage for how people can start to look at this new paradigm that is potentially what disease and health and how your body works is. It just kind of asks some questions, asks you to play with the idea, and uh, we want to play that for you. It's about 12 minutes, uh, and we think it's very important just to kind of give you some some contextual uh, background as to what this project is all about. Yes, I've had a cough for the past, I don't know, week and a half. Uh, this trip was very emotional for me because I hadn't seen some um, individuals of my family for a while. So um, f- talking about this video that Leo's going to play, uh, toward the end they say, um, why couldn't we just thank the symptoms recognizing them as a sign of healing? And that's been very helpful for me going through these on and off <coughs> sickness <laughs> I've, I've been battling. So I just wanted to add that. It was a very sweet and brilliant video uh, all about a different perspective on disease and really exploring uh, other options besides uh, germ theory. Yeah, it's it's really exciting conversation. Uh, we've got some uh, parallels to how we kind of came to the topic of health as uh, Alec did. So we were able to kind of discuss through that. And uh, really, it was just really interesting getting to know him and his story and how he was able to build what he's built uh, thus far through the projects that uh, he's been part of. <coughs> before that, you know, he wasn't really doing anything in uh, you know, organized health education and whatnot. So, you know, he, he, he's really been able to bootstrap this and it's pretty exciting to see that. And uh, uh, from what we understand, the, the end of COVID, that project uh, actually released this past uh, uh, 11th of July. And that so is... So it's available now to explore. We've been exploring the modules. We'll, we'll provide a link to that uh, uh, in, in the show notes. Uh, that you can use. But uh, again, we think this initial little video that was released, uh, I think about 10 10 days ago to two weeks ago, um, which is called, What If My Body Is Brilliant? And we want to play that for you initially here. If uh, you uh, do want to skip past it again, it's about 12 minutes in length. You can just uh, move to the interview if you you prefer that. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and play that. 
What if my body is brilliant and everything it does is part of a strategy to survive and thrive? What if every incomprehensibly intricate process my body attempts is simply its best path forward given whatever resources and roadblocks are present at the moment? Given that billions of my cells purposefully die each day to brilliantly allow for constant growth and adaptation, and physical injuries, stress, and exposure to toxins result in additional cellular death, where does all that waste go if I'm not removing it as quickly as I'm producing it? What happens inside my body when it holds too much waste for longer than it should? Does this stagnant swamp of waste damage neighboring healthy tissue, producing a snowball effect of more and more cellular death as waste continues to pile up? What strategies might my body use to get out of this vicious cycle? What if my body recognizes only natural substances and gets confused by synthetic or highly processed things commonly consumed and absorbed, such as artificial flavors and colors, vegetable and seed oils, and microplastics? How does my body deal with these substances when they, too, are part of the swamp? Given that bacteria in my gut are critically important to the process of breaking down the dead cells of food that I consume, and bacteria have been discovered throughout all parts of a healthy human body, might bacteria also be helpful in breaking down my own dead cell waste as well? What if the concept of good bacteria and bad bacteria is fundamentally wrong? What if all bacteria are simply organisms designed to do one job, eat dead tissue, breaking it into smaller parts which can more readily be eliminated and returned to the earth as part of the circle of life? Given that bacteria produce their own waste in the process of metabolizing dead cells, what if bacteria are only problematic for my body when they produce too much waste as a result of being given a buffet of dead substances to consume? What if bacteria and other microbes are the convenient scapegoat for the true underlying problem, excessive cell death, as caused by a variety of factors? Metaphorically, what if bacteria don't cause the fire, but instead proliferate as nature's attempt to put the fire out? What strategies might my body use to remove the combination of dead cell debris, microbial waste, and synthetic substances if I'm burdened with too many of them all at once? What if I'm not adequately hydrating and my bowel movements are infrequent? What if I'm not exercising enough to sweat out wastes? What are the next steps my brilliant body might take to clean the swamp? What if diarrhea and vomiting are strategies my body uses to remove wastes? What if excessive phlegm and a runny nose is another? What if the symptoms we commonly refer to as being, quote, sick, are actually just the necessary steps of healing? What if taking medications designed to end the symptoms of sickness actually prevents my body from healing? What if antibiotics kill my bacteria, which stops them from breaking down unwanted substances, which in turn terminates my natural cleansing process? If my body is unable to remove excess waste via these, albeit unpleasant, symptoms, does it have no choice but to store them deeper? If symptoms aren't the problem, but instead are the solution to something which previously occurred, what if all of modern medicine's efforts are misguided? What if the dramatic increase in chronic ailments over the last century is at least partially due to advancements in suppressing short-term symptoms? If my body is perpetually pushing waste deeper, 
Am I simply trading acute diseases for chronic ones, creating more severe outcomes as I kick the proverbial can further down the road? What if the concept of specific diseases is wrong? What if the root cause of all disease is the same, but the symptoms are different depending on an impossibly nuanced history of the individual? Does this explain how positive results have been observed when treating many types of supposedly distinct diseases with simple water fasting protocols? What if the cure for every disease is simply to remove excess waste and any other impediments, allowing our brilliant bodies to heal naturally? What if that takes drastically longer for some people than others depending on their unique history and lifestyle habits? With so many variables, how could this idea ever be proven or disproven via clinical trials? What if my mind is the most powerful part of my body and yet another variable? As frequently demonstrated by placebo-controlled studies, thoughts are capable of producing physiological effects. What happens to my body if I'm constantly thinking negative thoughts and harboring unprocessed negative emotions? What if my body is designed to make my actions align with my beliefs? Does this explain how hypochondriacs who believe they will fall victim to disease can experience measurable symptoms? What if I believe that the symptoms I'm suffering from are incurable? Can I actually prevent myself from completing the healing process? Can I only truly be healthy when my mind allows it? By what mechanism does a thought generate a material result? For example, how does the mere observation of a stressful event cause my body to produce a stress hormone? Where do the electrical fields generated by my body fit into this equation? What does the constant bombardment of non-native electromagnetic fields do to my body's natural electrical balance? How does my body react to a full day immersed in, for example, a Wi-Fi network? Can these disharmonious frequencies disrupt my natural processes? Can this be a cofactor in the creation of disease symptoms? Given the complex electrical nature of all living organisms and the evidence that frequency-based communication occurs between cells within my body, might immaterial communication between multiple bodies be possible? Could frequencies coming into harmony with one another explain the phenomenon of menstrual cycle syncing? Shouldn't I expect that many other things are being energetically communicated between living organisms as well? If my body eliminates waste as part of its solution to an underlying problem, and this process resembles a cold or flu, is it possible that I'm capable of energetically communicating this helpful strategy with other people? When they too begin presenting the same detoxification symptoms, wouldn't this appear exactly the same as what we currently call an infectious disease? Is contagion actually just an intelligent communication process leading to mass healing? Because not all people are in need of internal cleanse at the same time, does this explain why sinking frequencies wouldn't necessarily result in spreading the symptoms of disease? Wouldn't this appear exactly the same as our current concept of immunity? Because there are relatively few ways for my body to eliminate waste, can the differences in severity between various respiratory ailments, referred to as colds, flus, bronchitis, pneumonia, etc., be explained simply by differences in the amount of waste needing to be removed and how capable I am at completing this process without complications? 
Given that virologists have never been able to find supposedly infectious virus particles in fluids taken from an ill person, only showing debris of unknown origin claimed to be viruses at the end stages of a laboratory process involving multiple inputs including toxic substances, is it possible that our current concept of a virus is just a story we never outgrew, originating from an inability to explain the phenomenon of contagion? Given the various experiments from the early 1900s which failed to spread supposedly contagious diseases from one person to another, what if the simple answer to these failures is that they were working with the wrong foundational hypothesis? And because these studies failed at proving their hypothesis, shouldn't alternative hypotheses have been thoroughly investigated over the last 100 years? What if many doctors and scientists over the last century actually have done this work, recognizing the logical errors at the foundation of modern medicine? What if, to the detriment of their careers, they've written many books and papers explaining how humanity has been misled? Would I have heard about these people if my only source of health information came from school textbooks and advertiser-funded news? And even if I had heard of them, would I have dismissed them as quacks because their ideas strayed from the norm? What if the foundational principles of modern medicine have already been proven wrong? Given the trillions of dollars wrapped up in pharmaceuticals, hospital systems, medical research, and insurance conglomerates, would this knowledge be suppressed? Is the entire paradigm too big to fail? Do the economic implications become so overwhelming that many are afraid to even entertain the notion of changing course? What if well-intentioned professionals in various fields of healthcare asked themselves all of these questions? What if they concluded that their careers were based on a series of incorrect assumptions presented as indisputable facts during their formal education and training? Could they overcome this crisis of identity, coupled with the guilt from unwittingly leading patients in the wrong direction for years or decades? Could they brave the financial ramifications of no longer practicing within the same broken system? What if people everywhere in unison began to recognize that our bodies are brilliant, that we are in control of our own health and are not relying on man-made inventions to fix supposed shortcomings of nature? Instead, what if we looked at what we ate and drank, and how we talked, thought, and felt? What if we demanded that every dollar currently allocated to disease treatments was instead spent on cleaning our air, soil, and water? What if we focused on removing any impediments standing in the way of how nature intended for our bodies to work? What if we were no longer afraid of symptomatic people, and instead embraced them? What if the only bug we can spread is a communication strategy intended to resolve an underlying issue? What if we said thank you when we began experiencing the symptoms of disease, recognizing them instead as signs of healing? What if my body is brilliant and yours is too? What would the world look like if we all realized this together?
Well, we are very excited to be interviewing Alec Zeck today. Alec received a BS in Systems Engineering from the United States Military Academy at West Point. He is a speaker, writer, podcaster, and former Army captain. He is the former executive director and founder of Health Freedom for Humanity, the founder of The Way Forward, and producer of the new End of COVID series. A couple of links we will put in the show notes uh, after this are for The Way Forward, which can be found at thewayfwrd.com and for the new The End of COVID series at theendofcovid.com. Alec, welcome to the Collective Resistance Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor. That's great. Hey, Alec, you know, before we talk about your new project uh, with The End of COVID, can you tell us how you came to be a voice in the health and personal freedom movement and then what happened in your life to put you on this particular track so we can give our, our listeners a little frame of reference? Totally. Um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. And I always kind of say I'm going to steal a line from Dr. Larry Pulevsky here that I was kind of just following the, the bouncing ball in life, just like wherever life leads me type of thing. <clears throat> and I've kind of done that for a while now. And it's always tended to work out in my favor. Um, you know, at one point in time, I was a professional athlete playing professional handball on the U.S. men's national team and then played professionally in Germany. Um, obviously, I've been an Army officer. I was a West Point cadet. For that, I, basketball was like my entire life. So I've been a lot of things in life, and I'm a podcaster, health influencer, whatever the heck you want to call it. But the reason I got interested in this stuff to begin with is because so in, in 2016, um, up until that point, my mom and my wife, who I had just married at the time, right in, in 2016, up until that point, both of them were perpetually ill in uh, the conventional allopathic system. My mom on the psychiatric side of things and then my wife on the autoimmune side of things. And my my mom was really, really ill. When I say ill, she had... Um, multiple suicide attempts up to this point was in and out of psych hospitals, um, hallucinating, not leaving her room for days at a time. And it was sort of this up and down, but downward spiral over the course of nearly 10 years. And we're actually, actually looking at putting her in a long-term facility at this point in time in 2016. And this is when I was a senior at West Point. At West Point, we call that a firstie, but that's that's West Point lingo. So I was a senior at West Point and just about to commission, um, just about to graduate and become an officer in the Army. And it just so happens that my mom was seeing a therapist in the early part of 2016 who had been reading a new book that had just come out called A Mind of Your Own by Dr. Kelly Brogan. And this therapist that my mom was seeing said, Hey, Allie, you know, you, you've tried a lot of stuff. It's clear that these psych meds are, are not working for you. And we had started to realize that because for nine years, we just trusted that the experts knew best, right? And she was put on multiple benzodiazepines and SSRIs over the course of, of that nine to 10 year period. And um, like I said, her health just got worse and worse. And so this therapist said, Hey, I'm, I'm reading this book called A Mind of Your Own by Dr. Kelly Brogan. And she approaches, psychiatry in a completely different way. She's totally against pharmaceutical products. And I think you might as well try this. And she has a practice in New York. And it just so happens that West Point is in New York. And Kelly had an opening the week after my West Point graduation. So 
um, after my West Point graduation, my mom uh, flies to go meet with Kelly and uh, and Kelly changed the trajectory of my entire family um, because once my mom adopted Kelly's approach, which, which is just a simple, simple, natural approach to health, like that is getting off all the pharmaceutical products you're on, um, eating organic foods, being mindful, focusing on moving your body and healing your trauma. And in a matter of a few mon- months, we, we began to see sides of my mom that we hadn't seen consistently in nearly 10 years at this point. So like, oh my goodness, we finally have my mom back. And then after seeing my mom drastically heal, my wife, who I'd said was, we, we just got married in June of 2016. Um, so around August of 2016, after seeing my mom begin to heal drastically, we said, let's, let's try the same thing for you. You know, you've been suffering with these chronic symptoms now for a long time. Multiple rheumatologists have told you that it'll always be this way, that you're always going to need to be on multiple immunosuppressive drugs, which of course led to side effects, which led to other drugs. And she was just on a full gambit of pharmaceutical products. And then we adopted the same approach for my wife in a matter of three to four months, she reversed all of her autoimmune symptoms. We went back to her rheumatologist, got her blood work tested. The inflammation levels in her body had dropped to normal for the first time. And since the entirety of the time that she was diagnosed with these so-called autoimmune diseases and the doctor was like, yeah, it looks like your, your drugs are working really great for you. And my wife was like, no, actually I stopped listening to everything that you said and I'm not on any drugs at this point and I'm, I'm healing for the first time. So those two, uh, those two instances, when, when they happen to, to, to people that you love and you witness them happening in real time, it's just, it's just undeniable. Like you, you can't, there's no more looking the other way. So at that point, you know, I wasn't like a person who was super pro allopathic medicine, but I definitely was a person who was really concerned with what I was putting in or on or around my body or anything like that. And I didn't know anything about childhood trauma or childhood trauma healing or any of this stuff. And I, you know, really began to look first at the nutrition side of things, like looking at the agricultural industry and what's wrong with that. And then of course, looking at the pharmaceutical industry more on the psychiatric side of things. But then um, in late 2016, uh, by way of my wife continuing to explore things, she started coming across um, vaccine information and we had just become pregnant with our first so it was very relevant for us at that time. Like, hey, if they're wrong about this, what else could they be wrong about? So we started to look. And once I opened that, once I opened Pandora's box, there was no going back. I went really deep into a lot of things. And, you know, you shared that I, I majored and I got a BS and it was, can I, can I cuss on here? Is that okay? You can do whatever you want. Okay. Yes, it was bullshit in systems <laughs> engineering. Um, but no, there, there, was, there was some valuable pieces of my undergraduate degree in that I learned to read scientific papers when I was at West Point. So as I began looking at this scientific research, which of course was hard to find and they make it hard to find, you have to know where to look. And luckily we had Kelly as a resource, which then opened us up to a lot of other people who are resources. And we started to look and what I found um, 
was was shocking but the more i began to implement what i was learning into my own life and we are implementing it into our lives we started having huge breakthroughs in our own health and things like this and and then by the time the whole charade started in the beginning of 2020 at this point i was just a, a dude sharing my thoughts on like social media very rarely like i i just shared pictures of my family and occasionally I would post like an article about something on Facebook over the course of like 2016 through 2019. Um, but when, when this whole charade hit, I could see through it immediately because I had already done my research into the corruption of the pharmaceutical industry. I had already uh, applied for and was um, given a religious accommodation for vaccines in the army because back then, at least in my unit, they were still honoring those. Um, I'd sort of taken a position that you know, I definitely want to get out of the army when my time's up after West Point. You have to serve a minimum of five years and five years for me would have been um, early 2021. But, you know, maybe I'll stay in this corrupt organization. <laughs> I know that 9-11 was an inside job and all the wars are corrupt and all these things, because at least if I don't work a combat related job, I can justify that. And that's kind of what I was possibly pursuing. But then I was also looking at being possibly a physical therapist or a chiropractor or an athletic trainer or something like this. And then all this stuff happened and I'm just sitting back observing. And in February of 2020, I posted a video that said, this will no doubt be used for mandatory vaccines. And that was like the only thing that I said. And then I stopped really posting about anything. So I'm just like, you know what? Like I, I, I'm in the army. I probably shouldn't say stuff like this. But then around May of 2020, I got to a point where I was like, this is so clear what's happening right now. And I see so many people around me, so many friends and family members of mine that are falling for this nonsense. And of course, my mom at this point had already established herself as a, I hate this word, but like health influencer <laughs> on social media. I hate it. I despise that word. Um, but a health influencer on social media on the psychiatric side of things. And she was beginning to post about COVID stuff a little bit. And she was contacting me asking me like hey what do you think about this i'm like no no no, that's not accurate you should say this instead blah, blah, blah. like just giving her all this information and she was like alec why don't you like use your platform to post people need to hear what you have to say and my wife said the same thing and i was just like okay i got to and then around may i started posting and at first like my thousand person follower platform of just friends and family dropped really <laughs> fast because everyone immediately realized, okay, Alex freaking gone off the deep end. He's a conspiracy theorist now. Right. right. Uh, but over the course of the next few months, um, I started to grow a platform for myself. I think because, uh, without getting into all the details, just Growing up, I had a pretty rough upbringing and I dealt with a lot of abuse, manipulation, gaslighting and things like this. So I was already very aware of that. I did a significant amount of childhood trauma healing in 2018. So I'd already healed it and like know, know how to spot it when it happens again. And I saw that happening so clearly with the media, the government, the medical industry. And then I had already seen two people I love dearly uh, who were harmed by allopathic medicine drastically heal once they stepped away. So I think my unique perspective and my, my understanding of, of systems because of my major and just the way things work, like tying together multiple pieces for an optimal solution, I could see exactly what they were doing. So I, I just communicated that very clearly and started screenshotting my tweets and just sharing those <laughs> on my Instagram and Twitter and 
um, I grew a platform and then here I am. That's, that's what I do now is just share my thoughts on health and what's going on with the world and freedom and just continue to follow the bouncing ball. And now I have one of the, as of yesterday, my, my podcast is broken into the top health and fitness podcasts ahead of CNN and Sunday. I saw that. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So I've never, <laughs> thank you. I've never once paid for advertising. It's just, I just, I just share what I think. That's it. Like that's, that's what I do. So, you know, we had, I mean, not exactly the same type of path, but, um, two and a half years ago, we were actually here in Brazil and I had brought some gear down cause I thought I wanted to play with just, you know, messing around with making a podcast. Didn't really know what the, uh, the, the topic was going to be. And, and we decided, Hey, could we maybe throw out a few episodes about some of the stuff we were learning? We're a family of vaccine injury. Uh, you know, we, oh, okay. we, we went through the whole autism thing. Yeah, uh, we, we, oh, yeah. we learned it the hard way, <laughs> you know, we, but we, we're oh, one of the lucky families. We actually recovered our child. That's out of incredible. Autism. Yeah. That, that is incredible. Jo- I, you, you might be familiar with Jody Meshik. She's a no. good friend of mine. She also, well, she recovered her son from autism. Oh, okay. Well. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We might want to, uh, link up and, 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 yeah, yeah, and talk with her. If, yeah. But, uh, we were sitting here and it was, it was kind of funny cause, uh, talk about a meta moment because it was your health freedom for humanity podcast, uh, interview with Dr. Tom Cowan, uh, that we were listening to on this deck and we were like, okay, we need to talk about some of this stuff. This is, this is fantastic. And, uh, um, you know, I, I wonder when we get to the topic of no virus, understanding you had this 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 experience with allopathic medicine, uh, were you already tracking with the no virus thing before Cowan no, came on the scene, or, or was that interview kind of an eye opening thing for you? Well, so the interview was an eye opening thing for me in that it solidified some of the research that I had already begun to do myself, um, but the this this let let me back up to the beginning of this whole charade so in november december of 2019 i had been following a few like i guess you could say conspiracy reddit subs and in these reddit subs they were talking about um the wuhan lab and like that a virus bioweapon likely escaped from the lab and then of course there was actually a few mainstream sources in january of 2020 that were reporting on the need to protect against gain of function experiments, the need to put more safeguards on them and restrictions and the Wuhan lab in China. And even a few that talked about how there likely was a bioweapon released from a lab. And then, so suddenly like the, the mainstream, that, that perspective was squashed pretty quickly. And what I, what I sort of thought at that time was, oh my God, they're trying to cover this up. So I was actually one of those people I could go back and find some of my Facebook messages and text messages that was, that was texting my friends and family saying, Hey, they, they've made a freaking bioweapon. Like this is going to kill millions of people. You need to be safe. My wife and I would go to the grocery store in like January of 2020 and bring back our stuff and wipe it all down with like the natural version of Clorox. Like we were those people. And then, and then, Around March of, of 2020, March, April-ish, after I was like really freaked out and thinking that there was going to be millions that were going to die, I knew that it, what the intention was, right? Like I knew that this was going to be used for mandatory vaccines and things like that. I, I came across a video from Dr. Cowan 
talking about following dolphins off of the coast of Florida or something like this. And yeah, see, you guys are nodding. So you know what video I'm talking about, but uh, just for the effect for your listeners, I'll share. So in this video, he says something effective. If you're following a pod of dolphins off the coast of Florida and they started getting sick, what would be your first thought? And of course, like the answer is who put some shit in the water to make the dolphins get sick, right? Like that's what we think about when it comes to animal populations who cut off their food source, who poisoned their environment, who poisoned them directly, or some unique combination of those things that caused them to start getting sick. It's not what virus is spreading amongst the dolphins to cause them to become sick. And of course, like, you know, they'll say that type of stuff sometimes, but the general sentiment is that we don't think about those things when it comes to animals, but that's like almost exclusively what we think about or what the mainstream thinks about with respect to health. And I was thinking back to a a number of things. So obviously my wife had been diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, and she drastically healed just by changing her diet. And we had bought onto the narrative that some of her symptoms were likely caused by Epstein-Barr virus, right? And so I'm like, wait, that's weird though, because just by changing her diet, all of her symptoms went away. So was it really caused by this this virus that is just stuck in her system like that doesn't make sense because she resolved it with a simple approach to health okay and then at the same time so um at the beginning of this whole thing in november of 2019 uh i had just gotten out of the u.s army world-class athlete program and we moved to fort sill oklahoma for my next assignment in the army and we moved on to on post housing so like military housing we had never done that before we had always lived off off of military installations and on post housing is notorious for having like really toxic problems it's just it's just a common thing in the army and in a matter of a couple months after living there my wife's autoimmune symptoms began to come back for the first time. And we were like, what, like, what's different? We're not eating differently. Like we're not any more stressed. Cause this is before the whole COVID trade what's going on. And then turns out there's encapsulated lead paint all over the house. And then it turns out that like the house was built in the 1910s and they put a central AC unit in. And of course it's not built for that. And like, they don't keep up with it. So there's just toxic like air and stagnant air and, just it, it was a toxic environment and as soon as we moved out of that environment around april of 2020 and moved into a new house all of our symptoms resolved so as i'm coming across this material i'm literally living in my life an example of terrain i'm like oh my god this makes so much sense and so i started to look and the more that i looked the more that i observed reality no longer buying into the idea that there was a, a bioweapon that was made in the lab because reality wasn't meeting up with that idea because I was seeing these videos of people dropping dead in the streets in China, which I now think is Chinese state-run propaganda. And in reality, around April, May, June, July, and as we continued on, that wasn't the case. It was really clear. And so I started to really look into the no virus position and it became crystal clear that virology is entirely pseudoscientific and completely unproven. And I've yeah, like I said, just continued to follow the bouncing ball on that. Maybe obsessed over it a little bit too much over the last like two and a half to three years, but it's so important because so much of the health freedom movement is still latching onto this fundamentally 
flawed, unproven, disempowering belief. And I, I fully think that that will allow nonsense like this to happen again in the future when they inevitably try another one of these big productions. Well, you know, we found ourselves in an interesting predicament while we were making these episodes uh, throughout the, the pandemic because, you know, we were, uh, be it our, our experience with vaccine injury, we were very much uh, involved in the whole movement around like the vaxxed movie, mm-hmm. which obviously birthed Del Bigtree and then the high wire and all that. And then we, we, we did feel like he was doing really good legal and reporting work. Right. I mean, he, he broke everything down very, uh, in a very detailed manner on the show. Uh, it was very easy for people that were not part of the community to consume his content and go, okay, yes, I see this makes sense. It's not just some Alex Jones guy, you know, screaming at me that it's this cabal of people doing this, you know, and so we we, we fa- were on the Vax bus. Yeah, we shared we shared our story. Wow. Polly wow. Tommy interviewed us, uh-huh. and and, and uh, we I had were... some interesting reactions or interactions with Polly. With Polly, oh, really? <laughs> but but uh, you know, I'm I, I'm wondering uh, where that uh, disconnect occurred. I mean, did did. You, you may be more in the inside baseball of, of the, the communication. I mean, because I know even Dr. Kaufman, he, he, he had been going on the high wire and stuff uh, early on once in the pandemic. Was it just Apparently. once? Okay, I thought it was yeah, a couple so, of times. So the reason that he was brought on is because um, Dell's audience, I, I, either Dell put out like a poll or a statement or like people were just submitting requests and he was brought on because he was like the most requested doctor ever in the history of the high wire. And at that point in time, they couldn't ignore it. So they brought him on once, but since then they have refused to touch this topic. And not only have they refused to touch it, they have exclusively pumped this idea that there is a gain of function lab made virus. Mm -hmm. And that's what, I think that's, what's probably the most difficult is because, uh, and I know you've talked about it on Twitter, you know, you, you have these heroes you know, and and you you've gone through a lot of this with them, and a lot a lot of the people in the autism community, right? They've been arm in arm with Dell, you know, and it's so hard to to say, okay, look, you know, what he's doing is not doing us any favors anymore. It's just supporting this machine that he's created. I mean, if it is so easy, I mean, I would say so. I don't I don't know if so easy. It resonated with me so strongly, right? When Doctor Cowan started talking about, okay, like. The dolphin example, or like he said, a fishbowl, and you're like, that makes so much sense. And then you start looking at the studies, even the layperson, just to read the methods on these scientific studies that say isolated virus, you're like, how did they, they really didn't do it. And if we can't get it, what, what is going on with Dell and RFK? I mean, why can't we just talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, this is and this is the point. So I, I think you two are probably aware of the Substack uh, article, the open letter that I wrote to Dell and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. a few months ago. It, ha- it, it has I'm looking right now, actually, it has it has 40,000 views. So, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it, it, it made its rounds in the health freedom movement. Did you get a response? And, <laughs> not well. Yes and no. Yes. So, and no. OK. So, um of course, at the time, like I, I'm not the only one who has been pressuring them to talk on this. And that's the point to make here is that we're not talking about two with with Dell and RFK. 
We're not talking about two dudes who are just sharing what they think is best on their own private platforms. We're talking about two nonprofit organizations whose mission statements say something to the effect of covering the truth about science and corruption with respect to health, um, to, to empower men and women with the truth about health and things like this. And th- we're not asking them to take a stance. We're just asking them to cover it literally just to cover the topic. And like, I could, I could understand, but agree with the excuse that, oh, well, we're an organization who covers the truth about vaccines and that's our job. And aside from that, we just don't take stances on the, the virus issue and the issues surrounding the existence of the virus and things like this. I'm like, okay, I could possibly see that. But this idea that there are pathogen viruses is central and fundamental to the entire vaccine program. One, and two, you're talking about gain of function over and over and over again on your respective platforms. So you are, by way of that, taking a stance on the existence of the virus and its pathogenicity and its harms and things like this. So it doesn't, what they're saying as their excuses for why they won't cover this doesn't match up with what they're doing. And I, I mean, like, I got to say, I've been there. Like when I was the director of Health Freedom for Humanity, I'll share very openly. I don't care. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that because I I wanted to know the transition there. I didn't quite understand it. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to share that. So when I was the director, though, around what time frame is this? Around right after I got out of the Army. So around like May or June or July of 2021. we had started posting more content on the terrain perspective. We had, we had up to this point interviewed, I think Cowan, Kaufman, Stefan Lanka, a few other people and our board of directors, seven. So we had seven people on our board of directors. Five of those seven people were like fully on board with a terrain perspective. And that wasn't like deliberately chosen like that, because again, we're venturing into this territory as we had already formed our our board of directors but two of our board of directors um to the people on our board of directors like called a, an emergency meeting after we posted the stefan lanka video and said hey this like we cannot go this route we cannot take a hard stance on terrain and we were kind of like we've posted 15 podcast episodes up to this point and three of them have covered terrain. It's not like we're taking a stance on terrain. We're just covering various perspectives on this. And this is an important thing to cover. So like I have had personal experience with what it's like with these types of organizations, which why, which is why I'll never, ever do that ever again. So like I can understand that there are probably things behind the scenes that I don't fully understand. They probably have people advising them that have never looked into this stuff themselves who are dead set on that there's a gain of function virus that is like, we should not cover this because then people are going to think we're a fringe conspiracy theorist organization and ultimately we'll lose our funding from donors. And this is vital because we're just about to turn the tide. We're just about to move on to indicting Fauci and nonsense like this, which is not going to happen. And I think they may buy into that, or it could be that like they're aware of it and they don't want to cover it because as an example, RFK published a book on gain of function and Fauci and Eco Health Alliance. So he's too invested into that narrative. Dell like has said numerous times and so has RFK that they're not uh, anti-vaccine, they're pro-safe vaccine. So maybe they don't want to have to go back on 
everything else that they've said with respect to viruses and like herd immunity and stuff like this um, and, and have to, you know, admit that they were wrong and maybe their egos are too big. Maybe, I, I don't know what it is, but irrespective of the reason, I just know that their own mission statements are telling them that they should cover this topic. I actually have their mission statements pulled up right here. According to the CHD website, the mission of CHD is to work tirelessly to end the childhood health epidemics by working to expose causes, eliminate harmful exposures, hold those responsible accountable, seek justice for those injured and establish safeguards to prevent future harm. And then for ICANN, it is to put the power of scientifically researched health information. This one's more like deliberate scientifically researched health information in your hands and to be bold and transparent (laughs) in doing so thereby enabling your medical decisions to come from tangible understanding, not medical coercion. Like it could not be more crystal clear that this topic, and this is not some fringe topic, Weston A. Price foundation, as an example, um, most of their leadership and they're like a well-respected, reputable organization within the health freedom and holistic health movement. Uh, most of their leadership is fully on board with the no virus perspective and they're credentialed professional people. So this isn't some fringe Alex Jones thing. In fact, this is like the most scientifically, um, scientifically minded perspective that one can take because all it requires is that you go read literal scientific papers claiming to have isolated a virus, literal scientific papers claiming to have proven that disease is spread via the fluids of a sick person. And when you look at those scientific papers, you find that there is no proof. This isn't some thing where it's like, oh, the cabal and their occult secrets that you need to, you know, like learn the truth about what they're doing. And no, it's, it's literally scientific information. And I just don't see legitimate excuses at this point to avoid having this discussion. And I, mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, we could, we could get into more details on, on some interactions I had after. Without this, <laughs> well, I, I'm this wondering part. though, uh, along the, the lines of this, I mean, you going through this process and, 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 you know, building the series and, and, uh, I mean, are you seeing the, the tide turn or is the dogma of virology within you know, science research and, and, uh, you know, allopathic medicine, is it so strong that you're really only getting people that were already maybe in the more, um, natural health modalities or, or what do you see? Yeah. So I, I, I could probably correct. I will probably correct the statement at one point, but right now where I sit, this is, this is kind of what I see. We have those that are fully bought into the mainstream perspective still like this is like across the earth right those that are fully bought in the mainstream perspective those that are have woken up to something is probably wrong with the covid vaccines and there was quote safe treatments available like ivermectin hydroxychloric when we should have like you know the early treatment peter mccullough type brigade and robert malone type people and then there's like the traditional uh anti-vax movement that consists of like Dell Bigtree, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Sherry Tenpenny, and other people like this who are still very germ theory minded, but take the approach that for the most part, you can be healthy uh, if if you just avoid vaccines, right? Just just avoid all vaccines and you can be healthy or we need to create safer ones possibly. And then there's like the camp over here that's like all of it's nonsense. There's no proof behind any of it. 
the whole industry is inherently corrupt and flawed. And we need to start looking at what really causes people to become well and what really causes illness. And of course, that's a camp that I sit in. And our, our target audience for the end of COVID is really those middle two camps, the ones that have just woken up to something might be wrong with the COVID vaccine and those that are, you know, those that are stuck on the early treatment brigade and, and ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and the gain of function narrative. And there's a lot of crossover between the, the, the middle two camps. Really, they're probably just one big camp with varying uh, perspectives. But um, I think that th- there's there really is like a, like a huge split in the, in the health freedom movement in that respect right now. Like there's people who are fully aware that there is no validity behind virology that are becoming increasing, increasingly frustrated. And I totally get it for those who are, have the loudest, have the largest platforms in the health freedom movement that won't touch this issue. I'll give you an example. And I'm again, I'll be fully transparent about this. So luckily with the end of COVID, because there are some organizations that have, um, that, that understand the importance of what we're building here. We have been given advertising funding to play with for the first time ever. Like I've never had that before. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So, okay. We hired a PR agent to help us maybe get some articles published in, in some like alternative news sources and things like that. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but we're, we're trying. And then the other thing we did is we contacted some really large Twitter and Instagram accounts and said, Hey, like, we'll, we'll dish you like a couple hundred bucks to make a few posts for us if you want to. And it's interesting because some of those accounts that are really big that post health freedom information, but like very rage provoking health freedom information, very like gain of function, bioweapon, creating a lab type stuff and be fearful of what they're doing next. When we contact them saying, Hey, this information that we're creating is vitally important. It dispels fear. It uncovers the truth about health going into scientific details. I'm happy to get on the phone with you to talk about why it's so important that the world understands this information. And not only that, we cover the truth about freedom within that too, from a common law perspective and a voluntarist perspective. And they give us the cold shoulder. And they continue pumping the gain of function stuff. And it's like, it's just not, they're, they're like, we are in this niche and we like that niche. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's really like, I, of course I'm biased, right? Like I've, I've put a lot of work into this project and I like, I'm very passionate about it, but I am thoroughly convinced at this point, if everyone in the health freedom movement understood and embodied what we present with the end of COVID with respect to health and freedom, that none of this stuff would ever happen again because the health freedom movement is large enough at this point uh, in terms of its its chunk of the population, the, the, the world's population, that if men and women in the health freedom movement <clears throat> learn and understood this information, this nonsense could never happen again because the power is in our hands. But the health freedom movement overwhelmingly and unfortunately is latching on to these very disempowering fear inducing narratives with respect to health and freedom. And like, that's our target audience for this. Like we we've, we've had, um, you know, even, even some people in the no virus camp give us a lot of flack for including a few people in the end of COVID who aren't fully on board with the no virus perspective, but like that was done deliberately one, because the information that those people cover is essential 
to what we're presenting with the end of COVID because we're covering every single detail. They may not cover a no virus topic, but they cover a topic like the mortality data showing that there's objectively no proof of a pandemic, which actually lends credence to the idea that there is no virus. So it's not at odds with that, but ultimately because like, hey, we're trying to bridge the gap and ultimately they will share this information with their platforms and then are on their platform and then their audience will be exposed to this material. And then they'll come in and watch the end of COVID in the first two modules. It's like a thorough slapdown of virology. It's like 16 hours of content in the first two modules just devoted to virology, showing how nonsensical it is. And it's 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 tough because that's the audience we're trying to break into. And I think we're we're pretty successful in that with the end of COVID. We're nearing a hundred thousand signups, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's actually really Yeah, huge, we we've but. signed up. We actually signed up twice because she didn't realize <laughs> that I, I paid and he, I didn't realize that she paid. But we, we want to support the, the effort. Thank so. you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, Thank but, you. you know, on that, that topic, um, can we just talk a little bit about the end of COVID? And then, mm-hmm. you know, what was, uh, was was this your brainchild or was it kind of yeah, a consortium yeah. of people? And then what, yeah. what uh, is your goal with it? What could people expect from it? Yeah. Okay. Um, which one do you want me to start you, with? You, you just dive in whatever okay, is juicy in. Okay. for you. <laughs> um, so, yes, it was my brainchild. I uh, Around a year ago right now, I think, I, I hit up Dr. Cowan. And um, ultimately, this came as a result of frustrations surrounding what I just shared, much of the health freedom movement latching on to this, this nonsense. And it's because at the time, you know, eight to ten to – a year ago, eight, eight, ten, eight to 10 months to a year ago, um, started seeing the mainstream sharing more information regarding a lab leak and the FBI director talking about how it's likely released from a lab. And then, so what that created is this, this, uh, sort of false appearance of, the mainstream quote admitting the truth that they had been censoring the whole time so then those alternative people who were censored originally got louder and louder see see they they were censoring this information this is the truth it was a gain of function lab made virus you you know alec it's intoxicating right because now it's like look we're finally getting what we wanted but it's not really what we want (laughs) no it's not and it's such a clear and deliberate setup like it's so Maybe it's not deliberate, but it is such a clear setup, regardless of whether it was deliberate or not. It's so obvious what is happening. And like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all of the loudest alternative voices are in on this grand scheme too. Most of them, like I did in the beginning of 2020, just haven't looked at the terrain perspective and legitimately believe that there was a bioweapon made in a lab and just believe somehow they hold, I was thinking about this earlier, like they hold very conflicting beliefs, like that there was a deadly bioweapon made in the lab, but like we should have never locked down, never masked and like never done any of the testing or anything like that because it was nonsense. I'm like, which one is it? Because if you believe in the bioweapon, then wouldn't that imply that these other measures were necessary to some degree, if that's the case, right? Like some of them, at least like testing for a bioweapon, doesn't that make sense? So like, I don't, I still haven't really like understood how people can hold those very, very contradictory beliefs, but nonetheless, the, 
their their the alternative voices got louder and louder and then the mainstream position became so untenable that people were jumping ship from the mainstream position especially with the fbi admitting like yeah likely leak from a lab then these alternative leaders appear appear to be vindicated and then people are like jumping from the mainstream position to what these alternative people are saying and latching on to what they're saying uh blindly and i saw this happening i'm like god you know we we had i think in April-ish of 2022, we we did a one-day summit. It was me, Dr. Cowan, Dr. Kaufman, Amanda Vollmer, Drs. Mark and Sam Bailey, and a few others called Monkeypox Mania, where like that was the first time, aside from the documentaries, the viral delusion and terrain, where a bunch of terrain minds came together for one big thing. And I was like, okay, so that was super successful. We see this narrative continuing to pop up. Like, this nonsense is going to continue ad infinitum unless we get to the bottom that there's no proof for any of it, man-made bioweapon or zoonotic naturally occurring. Both of them are completely false. We need to come together to show people this. What if we used COVID as a Trojan horse to introduce people to the depth of the terrain perspective while also covering everything that happened all the details regarding what happened over the last three years, really covering like what I'm now calling the playbook for the pandemic industrial complex, because that's like what the World Health Organization is now setting up with the WHO pandemic treaty and all of like their sophisticated quote sequencing technologies. And that's the other thing is like, if you hold all of the measures to be nonsense, but then you hold the fundamental parts of virology to be true, especially with the sequencing and things like this, then the situations where they're walking onto farms and they're like, oh, one of your chickens are sick. Let's just give it a PCR test. Okay, we sequence its genetic material. We're not finding any existing viruses. So this must be a new one. So then they assemble a new genome. <clears throat> Voila, we have a new pandemic level pathogen that has an R naught of whatever the F. And then they then push that out and give that sequencing data to labs all across the world who begin testing chickens and other places in mass. And then all of a sudden we have a bird flu epidemic or a bird flu pandemic and oh, back to lockdowns. And now we have to cull the food supply. So the, the point is like, this has real world implications and it's not, it's not coming from fear. It's in fact, the point is to dispel the ridiculous fear that people are latching onto these ridiculous unfounded unproven beliefs surrounding how health works how disease manifests what symptoms are what causes illness what does not cause illness and so that's why we we created the end of COVID. it's it's to give people all of the details so that we can dispel all the fear and stop believing the nonsense and stop allowing this nonsense to continue because of course they've announced that it's over but it never began it was all a big show it was all quite literally a hoax there was no proof sorry i'm getting like very passionate right now I gotta, like, <laughs> no we're all about it i, I see some yeah, great like, clips here i can't I can, yeah i, I should have kept going on that one so you had a good clip but there's yeah. no <laughs> there's no proof of a material threat i get passionate because i'm like god like people you just need to understand this stuff like there's no proof that there was a novel threat no. whatsoever. And when you say it, it's interesting. It's our second time. In, I mean, it's our time in Brazil post-pandemic, right? There's still people talking about it, obviously. But now they have a new, a new thing here. So I was supposed to meet my family last time I was here. Nobody wanted to meet with me, right? Because I've been traveling. They're all scared. And oh so this goodness. time around, I, I think I'm going to see my family. 
and um, now there's this apparently this tick and there's this fever and my dad is like well I did all the research of the fever and we live in Idaho uh, in the US and we're in Idaho by the way north practically Canada yeah I know if you know Sandpoint yeah, I, yes, I know exactly where that okay. is. I used to live in Twin Falls, and then I lived in Moscow at one point, too. Ah, oh, cool. Wow. Very cool. Well, we're, we're, yeah. we're from Kansas City. Obviously, yeah. she's from here, okay. but we moved up there during the pandemic. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. <laughs> so then my dad is telling me a story about how he researched everything about this fever and that it started in the Snake River in Idaho, and now it's down here in the ticks <laughs> and the star ticks. And basically, none of my family wanted to meet again because of a new thing and then my dad's telling me he researched but he probably just read what was on wikipedia right so and there's no there's no dialogue you know there's no like it's so difficult because i'm like hey i have a podcast i talk about all this stuff well and and you guys are still stuck and we're still not seeing each other and that that was why we we started doing the podcast it wasn't so much that we wanted to grow a following. I mean, that obviously would be a lovely uh, secondary uh, Well, if you effect. have important messages to yeah. get out yeah. to people, like, of course. We, well, yeah. we, we, we were thinking, because, you know, these are always hard discussions to have with people because they it, it breaks down, you know, it, it becomes argumentative. But we figured, well, what if we just produce what we're learning or what we're living, like your, your experience? What if we produce that and then they're able to consume it on their own without having to have a conversation? And then they're either going to get it or they're not but at least they've heard it fully yeah and and yes. and that's what we did and in the process we developed you know a little audience which which has been nice so uh, uh that's awesome yeah, yeah and it, i i think that's like the exact same thing that we're doing with the end of COVID. it's like for i know for me after this i'm i'm moving on to talking about other stuff i'll probably talk a lot more about voluntarism and statism and things like this after this production is over because I want to give people a resource like, hey, here's everything. It, 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 below each session is PDFs if you want to go deeper to understand more on a respective topic. Or if you have questions, we're going to do Q&As every few months to answer questions after you've consumed all the material. Mm-hmm. This is everything that we think you need to know. Is there a topic we missed? Okay, cool. We can go record a session on that to add additional content to it. It's like an all-inclusive resource that covers everything. and. Another thing I want to comment on, because like, you know, I felt myself getting frustrated in that. And <laughs> I do. I do get frustrated. But this is, I think, so you, you mentioned you follow me on Twitter. And I think like, I'm pretty consistent with this. I acknowledge and understand the frustration of people on the quote, no virus side, the people who have come to understand the fraud of virology and the germ theory. Um, but if, if we're wanting the health freedom movement at large to, to see this and understand this information, I promise you it is not going to do us any justice to lash out, to attack and mock people, even the leaders who we disagree with. Now, speaking very directly to those leaders and speaking very clearly and, and sharing your perspective and frustrations with them on like them avoiding discussing something, totally valid. Like, I think that's totally valid. But the moment that you begin attacking someone, calling them a shill, calling them controlled opposition, calling them a disinformation agent, absent of any evidence, which is ironic because that's exactly what virologists do, absent of any legitimate evidence, 
uh, backing that perspective, you're just going to turn people off. If the goal is to try to help people understand this empowering perspective, then empower them to understand it. Don't shame them. Don't mock them. Don't belittle them. Don't talk down to them. Help empower them to understand it because that's that's how we win over the majority of the health freedom movement and of course like i say that while acknowledging is there times where i've been frustrated and lashed out absolutely is there times where i've spoken to someone in a in a belittling way or mocked someone absolutely but i always try to hold this in the back of my mind had i not experienced what i experienced in 2016 with my wife and and my mom would I be able to see through what's going on? Would I be able to see through the military grade pop propaganda that's been wielded at people? And further, had I not had that experience where we you know, moved out of our house and Kylie started feeling better, and then had I not come across that video of Dr. Cowan, would I still be talking about weaponized viruses and things like this? Possibly. And then if someone comes up to me and says, oh, you're a controlled ops shill just because I haven't explored the terrain perspective at that point, is that going to make me want to explore the terrain perspective? Absolutely not. No, it's going to be like, who are these crazy people? I want to stay the hell away from them. So I think that's like a really important message at this point in time, just to remember, like, communicate with love or at least try to just try to communicate with love and try to communicate an empowering message to help empower people to explore this information no that's that's excellent to remember and i think that we try to do that with our podcast because you know we have some topics that people bring up they want us to look into and whatnot and they're not necessarily things or or maybe we we do the interviews and we're like okay i mean there really wasn't anything there you know, uh, uh, but, you know, we looked into it and, and we put the cards on the table. Um, you know, I, I was going to ask you then with the, the end of COVID. So how how does that break down? Like as far as what you're 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 presenting, do you do that in uh, specific uh, segments or is it all just kind of. Uh, uh, can, can you allow me to share a screen real quick? So I can yeah, I, I, I can try. I know we have problems can, sometimes it's all with good. that. There's a like upper right, uh, right where the share screen box is. There's an upper right arrow that you can click that says allow multiple participants to share. Let's see here. My, my, uh... It's at the green button. Well, I think what I can do is go into participants and then I can say. Give control. Uh, I don't know if you want to do that. But... If not, I can just Oh, talk. here, here, make can... co-host. And I think if you're the co-host. Yep. You can do it now. Okay, you yep, should be. I can do it now. Cool. Okay, so here's our uh, program for the end of COVID. Um, and this is this is how the content is laid out. So the it, it's broken down into eleven different learning modules. Gotcha. And there, it consists of ninety presentations, interviews, roundtable discussions, documentary films. So are it's, there it's debates? Were you guys able to get a little? No, but there there going? is one that we're loosely planning right now. And okay. Like, I say very loosely because I've already tried to plan a few of these and they didn't. They mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't right. have to talk about that too. Yeah, it mm-hmm. didn't happen. Um, but so okay, so the way this works is so the first module, of course, we've taken like a theatrical aesthetic for this, sure. this whole thing. You've probably Looks noticed beautiful. that already because yep. it's all a big show that and the yeah. show needs to end. It, it needs right. to go away. So the, the first uh, module consists of a few contextual presentations talking about the 
the geopolitical, cultural, media-driven, NGO-driven, legislative, financial landscape just prior to 2020. So that's these first two sessions right here to sort of set the stage. What set the stage to allow all this to begin in the first place? And then it moves on to the COVID origin story with Eric Coppolino going over a day-by-day chronology from November of 2019 through February-ish of 2020. And like going over that day-by-day chronology, you look back on what the mainstream media was saying day-by-day, and it is like... It'll it's blow even you worse to revisit it because it's like, oh, my God, how did people buy this? This is so obvious that this is ridiculous. Um, and then it moves right into because, of course, at this point, when talking about the origin story, that talks about like the original, quote, sequences that were found for this so-called novel pathogen. So, of course, move into the isolation of SARS-CoV-2, where we talk about the, quote, discovery of this virus and how they've discovered all viruses. And then we move on to the genome and variants, and then the whole first two modules really are focused on the the topic of virology pretty heavily. You okay. See, we have the control experiments, proof of contagion, spike protein, gain of function narrative, and then um, and, and again most of these are presentations. Some of them are discussions. Most of these are presentations. You guys talk about the patents shit because that reminds me of David Martin because we listen. Yeah, we to him we a do lot. talk about the patents because there is validity in that too. There is okay. validity in the patent thing because, um, like th- these sequences were patented, and if you understand the no virus perspective, you understand that that's clear indication that they had been planning this with respect to these sequences for a long time but of course those that buy into the germ nonsense will say oh those sequences are proof that this bioweapon was created in a lab when it's really just patented computer algorithmically made sequences of uh, genetic material of unknown providence on that note I'm super excited for your upcoming interview with him me too yeah it's going to be really interesting yeah I have a lot of uh, (laughs) a lot of questions to ask him on on that topic um so then, then we move on to discussing like symptoms of COVID, uh, the digital phenomenon, how we've been immersed in this digital environment. And that's what sort of gave way to us denying our own lived experiences and believing what these black rectangular boxes tell us. And then from there, we just establish more of the, the general COVID narrative, talking about health measures across the world, um, the mortality data, using different cities as examples on the mortality data, uh, Stockholm syndrome and things like this. And then the hospital protocols, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, implications of masks. Um, and then moving on to an entire module devoted to the mRNA vaccines specifically, uh, three different perspectives on mRNA vaccines in these first three sessions. And then a discussion with a few people that were injured by the shots, a few people um, who had loved or one woman had a loved one who was killed and the death certificate reflected that as a result of the shots. And then moving into uh, the session to open up this module, showing that this is this is not at all a new phenomenon in the history and the corruption of the pharmaceutical industry goes way back. We interviewed Jody Meshik, who whose son was injured after receiving nine shots in one sitting because the pediatrician shamed her to catch up. Regressed into autism, was diagnosed with autism, then she has now healed him because we wanted to end that one with like a, a story of healing, that healing is possible. Um, 
if, if you just, you know, adopt a, a natural approach and do detoxification protocols, which of course I know you, you Th- that's know. a whole, that's a whole other show. Cause people don't even believe that. Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> like they, they think it's a, uh, it's when it's we tell people that I had one mom tell, turn to me and say, Oh yeah, we don't, we don't believe that's possible. <laughs> and she, and she has a child with us. Oh, sad. Right. So I'm just looking at my kid. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll move that's on. Not how it really it she to said, us, that's right not here. how it works. I was like, oh. Well, it is. And that, <laughs> it, so just a, just a brief aside, I'll stop sharing screen for a second. This is something that frustrates me so much about the health freedom community. And it's, it is gen, generally found in those who there's just a lot of overlap between like the the early treatment people, the Robert Malone, Pierre McCullough-esque people, the bioweapon gain of function people, and these dif- disempowering narratives that I'm about to talk about now. So for 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 the people who received this shot, um, and and understand the mistake that they've made. There's a lot of people in the health freedom movement that are now calling them vax tards, calling them, um, you know, like calling themselves pure bloods and saying that those people aren't pure bloods, saying that they're forever genetically modified, saying that they should stay away from them and be being worried about shedding and, and things like this. And it's a it's really frustrating because like on one hand, many of these people will hold the body to be self-healing, self-regenerating and and understand that the body can overcome if just given the right factors, nutrition, environment, trauma healing, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the other hand, they're like saying for these people that it's, that it's a death wish for them who have received the shot. And then just like you're sharing with, with those who are vaccine injured from previous vaccines, like, am I going to sit here and say that everyone will heal for sure if they just try? I don't know. But of course, I have countless examples now, you two being two new people that I've come across, of people who have experienced vaccine injury that have been able to heal and recover. It is possible. And I think we tend to overlook how powerful and brilliant the human body is if just given the right conditions to heal. That's it. The, the, removing the obstructions from healing and uh, yeah, that's that's a whole separate. Well, conversation and I think people, really I think people look at it as um, uh, uh, binary. They think, okay, you're either completely recovered or you're completely stained with whatever is wrong with you. You know, there are levels of recovery, right? I mean, Absolutely. we we know people that underwent the same things that we did, and and they got some benefits. They may not have seen as much uh, benefit as as our child did, but but they did see benefits. And so it's one of those things where you'll never know unless you you try. And 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 healing is an ongoing process. You got to keep doing it. Why do you think that it's so difficult for people in general to just adopt the approach that you know being sick actually is your body's way of healing you know i uh i think it it ties directly into victim consciousness that has just continued to increase especially in in western countries for a number of reasons right and um the let me think of a way to communicate this well 
there's a difference between having been victimized and being a perpetual victim and stepping out of victimhood requires that you acknowledge, yes, I was victimized, but now I need to take responsibility for myself. No one is coming to save me and I need to do what needs to be done to heal. And I think that this victimhood coupled with apathy, it's like perpetual victimhood coupled with apathy has people just in a state of being perpetually stuck and numbing out and not wanting to do the hard stuff. And that's on the, the physical side of health, but also the mental side. Like people are avoiding experiencing temporary, uncomfortable mental, you know, situations or, or uncomfortable conversations with people that have wronged them or that they have wronged or just looking at some things that happened in their childhood and feeling and healing the emotions and, and um, associated with them. And they'll trade that off for sort of suppressing those, which then leads to chronic depression, chronic anxiety, sometimes chronic physical symptoms of illness. And the same thing happens on the physical side of things where people don't want to um, go through feeling uh, just a tough experience. Because like symptoms of illness can be very tough to experience. Detoxification can be very tough. And people don't want to go through that temporary tough experience. So they suppress it, which then leads to chronic issues. And it's such a, a mind shift when you realize that, oh, even though these symptoms are tough to experience, it's a part of my body doing exactly what it was designed to do, heal. And I think that, yeah, I, I think it's just that victimhood, apathy, and just a general misunderstanding of health kind of all play into that. And, and then even in the health freedom camp, people are fearful of symptoms. I think one of the one of the big things my wife and I have talked about, I'm sorry, I know I'm rambling on a lot. I hope I'm even answering your no, question. No, you're fine. But um, I mean, I'm sure you've had this too, where it's like, if I am not perfectly aligned and healthy, then I'm like, a, I'm, I'm a fraud. I'm supposed to be like a holistic health person. What's yeah. the deal here? I, I've been getting sick a few times. Yeah, I have a cough year. right what? now. <laughs> yeah, so I totally like, relate. <laughs> but it's, it's such a shift in mindset. It's like, no, this is... This is my body doing exactly what it was designed to do. And I think when you take on that perspective, you can typically find something that is ultimately causing that cough to happen. And if you can't, you just know that, wow, my body is doing what it was designed to do to heal. I'm coughing right now because I came I'm across something. Or yeah. I'm cle- yeah, I'm cleansing <laughs> for some reason. So like, I'll, I'll share an example. Um, over the course of the last few months i've had this rash pop up on the right side of my head on and off Mm -hmm. can't really see it that well but i've I've had this rash come up on the right side of my head and you know previously i would have like obsessed about that and said oh my god like i'm supposed to be like 
this health influencer. That is, <laughs> There's that word. True inf- yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. But I'm like, no, I'm just uh, Alex sharing his ideas and people like it. So they listen. So whatever. Yeah. But um, I am interested in holistic health. And what I've come to understand with respect to something like German New Medicine, this is this is really interesting, actually. I so love German if, New Medicine and the concept. Me too. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will say I don't think it's the full picture. And I mm-hmm. think they tend to, like, ignore the like the effects of toxins in our environment and, the, right. and of course the effects of malnutrition. But like when it comes to the psychosomatic emotional implications of illness and manifestation of symptoms, it is spot on. It's mm-hmm. spot on. And so here's an example. I'm left-handed. So as a left-handed person, my mother's side is my right side of my body. Okay. Uh, rash is related to what's called a separation conflict in German New Medicine, where you either feel separate from someone you want to feel close to or vice versa. You feel too close to someone you want to feel separate from. And I haven't been talking to my mom for the last 18 or so months. There's there's a lot of familial stuff. Families have their stuff. And so um, I haven't been talking to my mom. And in that time, I was in the conflict phase for about a year. And then when you're in the healing repair phase, those symptoms come about. And so I'm in the healing repair phase. And so my body's experiencing the symptoms on the right side of my body. Yeah. It's the resolution of the conflict. And it's funny though, because like it will come and go, come and go over the last few months. Cause there's been situations where something has happened related to me and my mom that stressed me out and then re-triggered that like abandonment essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the rash will come back again and then it goes away and comes back. And that's called a track in Germany medicine. But Understanding that's been like, oh my God, my body is a brilliant. It's just doing exactly what it's supposed to do to heal right now. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And previously, I would have been like, oh my God, I'm a health influencer and like I'm yeah. supposed to have perfect skin and all this stuff. <laughs> and, and that's just perfect not the case. everything. No, I totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can totally relate with you. But, you know, going back to, you know, the victimization um, during the last you know, three years or whatever, there was so much stress. Like I went through a lot of stress because like you, I saw that where that was going, that was to a mandatory vaccine and having a vaccine injured child. You're like, Oh my gosh, are they going to come to my house and take my children and all those. And then I found through um, the event you did in Kansas City, I think it was in 2021, I believe. It was, that was did you guys health. come to that event? We, we were actually in Kansas City. We wanted City, to. But we, we couldn't uh, get our planes to give us enough time to make it to there. Make but we had friends it. that uh, went and they reported okay, cool. back they to us. They told us everything. They told us they met with Robert Michael, which we interviewed a couple times on the podcast and that was kind of it that was a beacon of hope basically empowering us taking the reins back and and we started learning about natural law and i think that you do share uh, quite a bit of natural law in the content of the end of covid i was hoping maybe you could give us a little bit of an intro i <laughs> you know i i don't know yeah. if you're a super expert but on natural law and then also well, yeah. yeah, go so, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you, you, go, you ahead. go ahead. Let's start with that, and then I have okay. a follow-up question. Yeah, so I I don't like using the term natural law, and there's there's some reasons behind that related to diet that I can talk about at, at another time. Um, I know that sounds weird, but so I, I like talking about it in terms of the like what I consider to be law for mankind. 
And that is, that is based in what is most commonly known, especially amongst the truther space as common law. And that supersedes and predates uh, any statutory law that was set up. And it's, it's this understanding that um, our freedom does not come from men and women in government. And those that are acting as agents of government are just men and women, just as we are men and women. Mm-hmm. And they only have power and authority over us if we consent to it, either by way of us unwittingly consenting to it because we don't understand who we are with respect to the fictitious titles that they continually set us up and get us to um, contract with them through those fictitious titles or by directly contracting with them. And so during the end of COVID, um, it's not reflected here uh, in this program, but at the beginning of each module will be a mini lesson from our partners who are listed right here, the Sovereign's Way, who have created a course based on common law called Law for Mankind. And so we've created what is essentially like a, in totality, a two and a half hour mini course that is split up into 11 different lessons that will be featured at the beginning of each module covering what is a right? What is your relationship to the men and women in government? What is the law? Like very simple fundamental things surrounding this. And then on top of that, we have an entire module right here. So I I should probably back up and go over these ones. Yeah, we covered germ theory, um, going into things like mold, fungi, parasites, things like that. And then we cover who's directing the show, which of course is a play on words, talking about the agenda, the great reset, digital IDs, et cetera, et cetera. That's our smallest module on purpose because yes, it's important to cover that info, but rather than cover that, it's important to cover solutions. So this is where we uh, have, a, have a discussion with um, Etienne De La Bocci and Mark Gober on the illusion of authority, sort of, topping of talking about like a high level concept of all of those that are acting as agents of the state only have power over us because we consent to it and we think they have legitimate authority. So a very deep conversation on that. And then this is where we interview several members of the Sovereign's Way, that organization we partner with, who have taken their full course, which is like a 70-hour course that consists of 10 modules, um, really teaching you how to truly be free. That's like the best way to put it. It's the, it's the most important material. I've said this repeatedly, the most important, most powerful material I've come across in the last three years and the easiest to comprehend. Because I think when it comes to like the straw man and uh, like the birth certificate and how we're traded on the Fidelity Stock Exchange in England and how like what the War Powers Act is like, yes, I'm not going to pretend that all that stuff isn't relevant. And like I've status corrected myself. Right. But more important than that, in my opinion, is understanding like very like really deeply understanding that one, what I've already said multiple times, they are just men and women, just like we are men and women. Mm-hmm. They've set up this fictitious entity and these other titles like doctor, like parent, all these other titles are titles that if we understand their use, we can play to those to our advantage, but we have to understand that we are first men and women. That is what we are, right? Understanding that and that relationship dynamic first, and then understanding too, and this is, I think the most important thing that the reason we consent to 
what these men and women in government continually offer us because it is an offering is because of our own unresolved fears inside of ourselves. And I didn't expect it when I first took the Law for Mankind course, but modules two, five, and eight of that course are some of the most challenging childhood trauma healing or just general trauma healing that I've ever done and that you are having to really face and deal with your shit. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. And when you do that, (laughs) yeah. And when you do that, you realize, wow, yeah, like my fears surrounding what these so-called authority figures are going to do and their agenda and things like this are because I still have undealt with stuff inside me. And when you deal with those, a lot of that fear goes away. I'm not going to sit here and pretend all of it does, but this is a very important tool. So all that to say, that's who we interview in this uh, session right here. And then we interview a few other people who have different but very similar approaches using uh, notices of liability, notices of conditional acceptance, and um, things like this to hold men and women of government accountable. So this whole module is devoted towards understanding what freedom really looks like. And then the last two modules are basically uh, looking at what health might look like after we've dissolved this, this false germ nonsense. Oh, what the future might hold for mankind. uh, You know, uh, we interviewed uh, Renat Strahlhofer, which I think you've, you've talked with as well. I love Renat. And uh, she said, before we go to that question, can I ask my follow-up question? uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) My follow-up question uh, regarding, you know, law for mankind, I guess I'll adopt that as well. I did sign up for the course, so I'm really excited to take that course. Um, we have this whole gender ideology debate happening and kind of an epidemic. I mean, I have heard of so many people just in the last year, you know, parents that have mothers and fathers who have children that are, that don't want to be what they were born to be. I don't know if that's the best way to, to yep. explain that, but you know, we're talking about victimization and how that actually is becoming kind of a power. Like you become a little untouchable. Nobody can question you. Nobody can ask, you know, nobody can explore what's going on with you. So it's almost another door is closing and you were, as a child, you were in there and nobody's going to question you because if they do, they might be labeled homophobe or whatever else they might be labeled. But I looked at your preview for the end of COVID and with uh, Greg Paul, I think is his name, and he was talking about rights um, as men and women uh, in the law. And from what I understood, you got to be a man or a woman to have these rights. And then he made me think of the gender ideology and the whole agenda kind of taking away from that is there any logic in, in my kind of theory here 100 <laughs> percent. so okay, okay. i've thought about this quite a bit um <laughs> that's why i smiled and nodded when okay, I was okay. talking. I was like ah, i know exactly where you're going with this so i think the the gender ideology thing is threefold one is when you understand that they use fictitious titles against us to then get us to contract with them and continue to have them impose their will upon us. 
that's one thing that the gender ideology does because you take on more and different fictitious titles, which is just adding layers of confusion from who you truly are. Second thing is when you are self-identifying with fictitious titles, you are not on a path of discovering who it is you truly are. Like not from a, a law perspective, but from like a spiritual perspective, like who you truly are as a man or a woman. And it, of course, it's even deeper than that, who we truly are, right? Right. And then the, the third thing is um, the, the identifying with something that you are not thing, especially now that we see kids in schools Literally, my, my cousin is a, a junior in high school now, and she has kids in her school in freaking Manhattan, Kansas, that identify as a cat. And Whoa. like the teacher can't do anything if that kid doesn't want to answer questions and just wants to meow for the day. Like that's, that's like, I think that's like, I, I, I don't get it. It's that's something. Some it's a thing. There's of, a name. Yeah. Yeah. It's some subset of, I think, gender fluidity. So it is like right. part of the absolutely fundamentally part of the LGBTQ whatever plus, thing. Plus, now I think there's yes. a plus or maybe more letters. On. There's like like thousands of letters. I need to I don't study know. on that. <laughs> but, but that plays into the transhumanist agenda because it is like identifying with like something other than human at this point. Mm -hmm. That's like what this is turning into. Right. So I think that's how this agenda is harmful in, in, in three ways. And of course there are uh, definitely mm -hmm. other ways in which it's harmful, but those are like the three main ones that I've identified. Mm -hmm. And then you won't be able to sp speak clearly, clearly or claim your rights, right? Yep. As men and women at that point, even if you can speak clearly, if you don't identify as anything, then. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. You can ask your question. Well, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I was talking about uh, Renat, and when we had her on, she had an interesting quote because she said that, you know, yeah, I think in this process of the pandemic, a lot of people have woken up, but there's really very few people who are out of bed, yeah. you know, and 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 uh, so I I was thinking about, you know, what you guys are doing with the end of COVID and then uh, the way forward, that's kind of a movement, right? So uh, it, it's trying to enable people who may not know what to do, right? How, how do they get out of bed? Mm -hmm. um, yes, am, am I, am exactly. I summarizing with the way forward? I wanted yes, you to speak absolutely. a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for, for that. Um, because that's like what we're trying to, to put out. It's, it's that we are charting the path towards health, freedom, and aware, not health, freedom, but health and freedom and awareness for all of mankind. And like, I don't claim to know for sure what like the way forward is, but we're on the path towards it. So like for me, I just shared this on my, um, on my telegram and Twitter earlier, like we have a little garden going in our backyard. And could you imagine what it would look like if every man and woman just grew the amount of food that they could in their own space. So like everyone just agreed to do that. Even just like the, the health and freedom community, just everyone decided I'm gonna grow the amount of food that I can in my own space. Like even that just little change in mass amongst a community of people doing it would have significant, a, a huge impact on the local community in that you're no longer relying, at least not in large part on on huge supply chain operations. And then you're not as worried about food shortages. If everyone just committed to 
just doing what they can. Cause I think like the trap that people in the, in the truther and freedom space fall into is like, if I'm not on a 50 acre homestead off grid, I'm screwed. Right. It's not true. It's yeah. just not yeah. true. And and then what that causes them not to do anything at all. They just freeze. They're like, Oh, I'm screwed. Right. I don't have a 50 acre homestead. Right. It's completely off grid and well armed and all and like have like a hundred cattle. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not the case. Like if everyone just took little steps and then came together in community, and this is what we're facilitating with the way forward. This is a very timely question you asked starting next week, actually coinciding with the end of COVID launch, we'll have our new website dropped where, um, you can become a member of the way forward for any amount, whatever you want to pay, just value for value. If whatever value you are receiving from what we offer, you pay. And with that, you will be able to put in your zip code or your postal code, and it'll populate other members of the way forward near you so that you can start forming groups together of like-minded people and start collaborating in community. Because as an example, like we live in just North of Austin. I have a lot of friends in Austin. Uh, who are who are like-minded, but up in this area where we live, I don't know that many people, and I could, I very likely do have like-minded people near me. And now yeah. we're developing that tool where you'll be able to find like-minded people near you. But then, further, we have a business directory that offers discounts to members of the way forward for most of the businesses that are on there, and then we also have a, a membership marketplace where a number of holistic health goods, products, courses, services offer discounts specifically to members of the way forward. So it's like the way forward is intended to be this all inclusive health and freedom resource, uh, for, for men and women to opt into it at whatever value they choose. That's awesome. I hope, I hope you have an awkward encounter with, uh, with Dell down there. <laughs> I hope I do too. Man. Uh, well, it's funny cause I spoke at the greater reset, um, this event put on by John Bush and, and Derek Bros, and uh, it was simultaneously in Texas and Mexico. And so they would they would have a speaker from Texas speak. It would live stream to Mexico, and then the next speaker would be a speaker from Mexico live streaming to Texas. Awesome. And so I was in Texas. Dell was in Mexico. I spoke. I gave a presentation called uh, uh, "Reframing the Infectious Disease Paradigm." Of course, talking about the terrain perspective, and, mm-hmm. um, ended ended by saying something to the effect of, um, "All the talks of masking, PCR tests, uh, lockdowns, mandatory vaccines, and safe vaccines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are all predicated on a completely unproven pseudoscientific presupposition." And unless we get to the root, we'll be perpetually whacking off the branches and this tree will continue to grow. Something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And Dell spoke two slots after me <laughs> and gets on stage. Actually says something that I agree with. He said, he's kind of poking fun at my presentation, but he said something I agree with. And he's like, no, a lot of people are having these interesting conversations regarding germ versus terrain. And you know what I think? I think all of it's bullshit. I think if you're healthy and mind and body and in spirit, you can't catch any disease. And I'm like, that's great, Dell. I actually, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Then why don't you share that on your platform, Dell? Because on your platform, you share this idea that we need safer vaccines. You share this idea that if you, you don't need vaccines because you can catch the virus and get herd immunity. You share this idea that they're creating bioweapons in a lab and that they're going to create deadlier ones in the future. If we don't indict Fauci right now, like mm-hmm. 
say that on one hand and then on your platform you say this that doesn't make any sense yeah. so that was my interaction with Dell and then of course he put out a video yeah we um, saw that yeah like <laughs> we're just about to move on to indictments and like that whole thing nonsense <laughs> too because Marvin Haberland uh, a, a German uh, a German engineer won in court in yeah. Germany on his own without any attorney whatsoever because of the no virus perspective showing that there's no proof no scientific proof of virus therefore the health measures are nonsense like so this idea that the no virus position allows people to walk off scot-free allows these bad actors to walk into the sunset as Dell was literally quoted as saying mm -hmm. is nonsense that doesn't make any sense in fact what it would look like is wow all of these health measures were not just inefficacious, they were fraudulent because there was no proof of the alleged cause, which I would imagine, I'm not a legal expert, would turn this into some sort of genocide possibly because there was no proof of the cause and this now looks like it was deliberately done to cause death and trauma and chaos and destruction, et cetera, et cetera. And the irony is that they have this, these amazing attorneys and litigators, right? <laughs> And I mean, what are you using them for? Well, so because you, you are both aware of what happened with the Health Freedom for Humanity Symposium, <laughs> this is another thing that frustrates me with respect to ICANN and, and Children's Health Defense. And like, I acknowledge, I'll say this first, like, do I acknowledge that have passing legislation or preventing legislation from being passed has a real world effect? Absolutely, it does. I mean, look at California, SB 276, SB 277. But if more people were educated on common law and the illusion of authority, there's other ways to handle this much more simply, empowering men and women to do it themselves, right? Like the, the, the ICANN CHD approach is, yeah. hey, we need your money to fight for you and we might win in court, but we probably won't because the track record is they probably don't. Yeah. They have had some major victories in court, but it's it's perpetuating this this oh, I'm, I'm a little man or woman that doesn't have the power myself. I need to give my money over to these people right. so hopefully they can get my congressman to change they can things around for me. us. Yes. <laughs> and so as an example, what happened with the Kansas City, the Health Freedom Framework right. for Humanity Symposium in Kansas City is so we, we had signed a contract with the, uh, the Kansas City Convention Center, which is owned by the city of Kansas City. And when we signed that contract, there was not currently a mask ordinance in place. They had just dropped it. And we said, and they verbally agreed, we said, hey, if there is a mask mandate put in place that we are not going to comply with that, we just want to let you know we're not going to enforce that at our event. So there was a verbal agreement in place and they agreed, right? We're like, okay, great. Email correspondence reflected that, great. Then by the time the symposium happens, there is a mask mandate in place, right? but we had already had our verbal agreement. We're not going to comply with this, right? And they agreed. So that's us establishing that contract. Mm -hmm. And then the halfway through day one, you know, there's, there's wear mask signs posted all over the door of the convention center. And then like our 650 person event, there's like two people wearing masks. And for the people who chose to wear them, we didn't say like, oh, you take those off, you sheep. We're just like, okay, you right. do you, whatever. Right. But most of the people chose not to wear the mask, right? So we get approached by the city of Kansas City Public Health Department um, at around 3 p.m. that day, so halfway through day one, and they pull us aside, our, our leadership team. They're like, hey, um, you know, we've had a few anonymous complaints, people walking by, a few people work here. You, you guys are violating the mask ordinance. And we're like, no, we're not. 
first off, we're not violating the mask ordinance. But second, like our verbal agreement was already set that we're not going to enforce this stuff. And they said, well, okay, well, you need to enforce this. We're going to come back at 7 p.m. And if you don't enforce it, we're shutting your, we're shutting your event down. And we said, okay, we'll get back to you. So then we go to this back room. Robert Michael is there. And yeah. we have uh, another guy by the name of Jude Cisneros that is uh, a JD. So he, he's an attorney. And uh, we start writing up a, like, 10-page notice to the city of Kansas City. But first we send them an email saying, hey, we're turning this matter over to our legal counsel, Jude Cisneros and Robert Michael. Mm -hmm. And we start writing up like a 10 page notice. And I think what happened with them is they got that email that we were turning it over to our legal counsel and they were like, oh my God. So then they started writing a notice. We didn't know that. They, they started writing their own document with their, the city of Kansas City's attorney. So we're writing up this 10 page notice, highlighting all of the, the flaws with respect to the mask ordinance scientifically, like going into great detail, highlighting all of the um, violations of the rights of men and women um, without even looking at the statutory nonsense, like just like this is violating the rights of men and women going into detail with respect to common law, but then also sprinkling in some statutory stuff like 21 US Code 360 BBB-3, which anything approved under emergency use cannot be mandated and like masks were under emergency use. We highlighted all that stuff and then send them a notice. They never come back at 7 p.m. to shut us down. So we're like, oh, okay. Like maybe they are scared away by what we said <laughs> the legal thing, right? Yeah. Then at 10, at 10 p.m., we get an email from the city attorney that says, your event is canceled. You are in breach of contract. Uh, uh, we, we are happy to talk to you about this after uh, next week. So then we show up. The next day, and of course that night, you could imagine, I, I did not sleep at all. So I'm like <laughs> oh, brainstorming in my mind, like, okay, what are the different courses of action we can take? Maybe we could set up in a park over here. I'm looking at like a map <laughs> of downtown Kansas City, like freaking out. And you um, guys did pretty good. Dude, so the, the, the rest of the story is so cool. It's just, it's okay. so cool, despite how stressful it was at the time. So I went to bed at like 3 a.m. because I'm trying to figure out like, what the heck are we going to do? Because they're saying they shut things down. So... I wake up at like 5.30, drive straight to the Kansas City Convention Center. Sure enough, there's signs on every door that say, event canceled, contact healthcare and three men. <gasps> Guests will be starting to arrive at 7.30. We haven't put out a statement yet because we're just like, what are we going to do? Right. So I'm standing there like trying to figure out because all of our stuff's still inside. We have like all of the AV equipment, a stage set up and like, you know, from the, the, the third party people that we hired to set that up and then like all of our vendor booths we had like 25 vendors like all of our stuff's inside it's like what are we gonna do and then at around seven o'clock a few people from the project management team assigned to our event representing the city of kansas city show up and they're like super apologetic like really like overly apologetic wow. to, to where it was weird and we we're like <laughs> kind of clicked to me as, as some of our other team like Jude and others <laughs> arrived and we were like huddled we we're like oh my god they read our notice they realized that they messed up <laughs> they realized that they messed up because they were like hey we're so sorry we had to do this we can't let you back in but what we can do is we can get some of your like get your lighting get all whatever you need from the inside we'll bring you water we'll even bring you guys food we'll do whatever you need to do <laughs> whatever we need to do wow. to make this right and we'll set you up in that park which we also own right across the street so we'll set you up over there. We're like, okay, cool. So then we moved it outside, health freedom in action, right? Like, 
all the I was so I felt so bad because I'm like these people pay, like we had people fly fly from ne- the Netherlands to come Whoa. to this event. I'm like, wow. dude, like, so it was so beautiful though because everyone was like, I totally get it. This is awesome. This is health freedom in action. The event's going to be way better, and it was. Day two was awesome because we were outside. So people were able to kind of talk and interact more rather than being in a dark room with like stage lighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but there was people walking by because it's downtown Kansas City who heard what we were saying. And we're like, oh, this looks interesting. And people showed up <laughs> and we had a few people who showed up with masks on that ended up taking their mask off wow. and like sitting down and like. <laughs> yeah, because I guess you couldn't keep people away, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, we couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Like, and at first we tried to, but we're like, no, no, no. We want them. To yeah, like, yeah. This is great because we right. felt bad like, oh, these are ticket holders but all the ticket holders were like no 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 this is awesome let them come in we're like okay cool (laughs) and then so so then we're we're talking and we're like okay it's clear that they're they're like freaked out but you know they they set us up over here and this this is going better on day two Mm -hmm. should we should we hold them accountable should we try to say what we said we were going to do in our notice because in our notice we said we will hold you liable for x amount if you do x they did X, they kicked us out. So we were like, okay, should we do that? Mm-hmm. Like we're a small organization. We don't have a lot of funds. Let's at least like send a veiled threat that, Hey, we were serious about what we said. We are going to pursue damages for this amount unless you pass this amount. And the city of Kansas city within a month paid us that amount. Wow. Which, like, long story short, <laughs> the point is, without giving all your money away to all these people that like are like and again i i recognize it has some positive effect like you can do it on your own we were a small group of people that held the entire city of kansas city accountable for violating our rights as men and women like and anyone can do this and i think because people in the health freedom space are so caught up with oh this 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 victim mentality like we talked about earlier and like savior complex that like looking to these health freedom leaders as they're going to save me and i don't need to do the work and now it's perpetuating again with you know who running for the like running for president yeah like i appreciate that because now these vaccine conversations are being brought in the mainstream more but at the same time for those that are unaware of the illusion of authority that are still buying into the statutory system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's just going to put them right back into that box and trust the system again and be put back into a victim mentality, looking for a savior to come save them rather than doing the work themselves to become free men and women. And that's my issue with the whole thing. I know that was very long. No, it's, that was amazing. It's so bittersweet, you know, because uh, I've listened to some of that, that individual stuff and it's like, man, if I would have heard this three years ago, you know, or four years ago, I'd have been like, this is the most fantastic thing ever. But now it's like the, the game has changed, you know, the game has changed and you got to roll with it or you're going to get steamrolled by it, you know? Yes. yes. Agreed. So, we got to create something new, right? The yeah. system is working just as it's designed to work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to exactly. Well, yeah. Alec, we really appreciate you taking the time with us. I know we're, we're, we're at kind of our, our 90 minutes that we had scheduled with you, but we hope that we could collaborate with you in the future with uh, whatever you got going this on. This was awesome talking with you guys. This is one of my favorite podcasts I've done in a long time. Oh, fantastic. So I don't much. say that a lot of you. I, I really mean that. This was thank awesome. Thank you so much. We really enjoy having you. And we're I think it's because you guys are like sitting there with your shoes off. And I know. Oh, I lost audio. <laughs> I lost audio. Can you still hear us? Yeah. 
Yeah, I can hear you. Can oh, okay, you I don't know. Or maybe it was just me. Maybe it's yeah, Oh, there yeah, it is. It's my uh, my headphones. All right, well, hey, uh, uh, we will send you the links when we get it published and everything. And uh, Oh, do you want him to? Oh, yeah, yeah. What? what uh, where do you want to send people who are interested? Yes. Yeah, I think. And how can they support places. you? Yeah, thank you for that. So you can support by um, a couple ways. So obviously signing up for the end of COVID, we, we do appreciate you purchasing. Uh, we've put a lot of time, intention, attention, energy into this, and it, it is such a valuable resource. Um, and of course, you can compensate yourself too by becoming an affiliate for the end of COVID. If you find this information to be impactful to you, or maybe you already know all of it, but you want to help raise awareness for it mm-hmm. to get other people to see this information. We have an affiliate program oh, and you great. can find that at the end of covid.com forward slash affiliates awesome. and just sign up to become an affiliate. Anyone who signs up and then purchases through your link, you'll be given 40% commission on that purchase. So you'll be able to comp- be compensated for helping us raise awareness. And then the other one is, um, I don't know when this will come out, but uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, we have our new The Way Forward site up and running with our new membership upgraded version 2.0, where you can become a member at any value you want, whatever you want to pay. And it affords you the opportunity to connect with like-minded businesses, to get deals on a lot of amazing products, courses, brands, et cetera. And then of course, to connect with like-minded people near you and help bring about the way forward for, for all of us who are understanding what's going on. In the that world is right awesome. Now. That is awesome. awesome. We'll hey, th- share the links. Yeah, we'll share the links. Thank you so yes. much for uh, what you've done here and uh, good luck to you in future endeavors. Yeah. What a blessing so to much. talk to you and uh, hopefully we'll see each other in Kansas city sometime. I would love that. That'd be great. <laughs> yes. That'd be awesome. Right. Sounds good. Bye Alec. Take care. Bye. <laughs> All right, another fantastic interview, and uh, really appreciate Alex Zach coming on the show today. Uh, uh, did you really enjoy that, Fabi? Yes, and I really appreciate the work they're doing. It's basically, trying to make it easier and easier for people to understand that the paradigm of germ theory. Uh, it's uh, near nearing its death. <laughs> Certainly flawed and yes. uh, needs improvement, and hopefully we're we're on our way there. So, mm-hmm. uh, anything else you want to leave with the listeners on this episode? Or yeah, just want to say thank you. We haven't had uh, some episodes the past few weeks because we're traveling, but we're getting back on track and bringing more. Great content. Yeah, this is uh, number 89. So uh, we're going to knock out 90 to end uh, season, uh, uh, this this current season, and then we will regroup and come back with uh, bigger and better for the next season. That's right. All right. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying your summer. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious.